0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now, where we cover how the environment, our society, and corporate governance affects and are affected by our economy. I'm your host, Mike DiCibato, and this week we are going to talk about bailouts, specifically airline bailouts, and the ESG requirements put upon airlines due to these bailouts by their respective governments. And then we keep with the government theme and we discuss what happens to a people associated with a company when it gets sanctioned by one. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Stay tuned. Times are tough for airlines. Ridership is down to historic lows, and despite doing everything they can to get people back into the air, there's still so much uncertainty, so travel is remaining very low. During the height of the pandemic, several governments agreed to provide financial aid to 12 airlines struggling with the economic fallout. And my two guests today, Florian Sommer and Arna Klug, found that among the 12 companies, 10 accepted ESG conditions as part of their rescue packages. So each airline had a different combination of environmental, social, and governance conditions in their bailout. If, If they had environmental conditions, it was to reduce their CO2 emissions and modernize their fleet. If they had social conditions, it was to implement job and employee salary protection programs. And if they had governance conditions, they had to agree to board changes, executive pay restrictions, shareholder distribution limits, and ownership changes. So a lot of the bailouts had a combination of some sort of environmental and social parameter to them but all of them of these 10 companies had at least one governance stipulation put into their bailout and as florian told me this was likely to impact the companies for years to come
1: if we look at this peer set you have uh, lufthansa so the german carrier and then you have four u.s airlines united southwest and delta who also um face relatively stringent governance uh, bailout conditions. And so what that means is, I think, is that um, at least in the medium term, there will be a significant potential impact on the way that these companies are run and on their decision-making.
0: By the way, Florian mentioned three airlines. The fourth one that he forgot to mention was American Airlines. Regardless, the governance bailout conditions will definitely impact these airlines. And that's especially true at Germany's biggest airline, Lufthansa.
1: So Lufthansa, for example, is is a company that stands out. Um, I think in, in this regard, quite significantly, um, they, they, Uh, accepted two government representatives on their supervisory board. So this will be a significant change in terms of their decision-making and their leadership. They also agreed to executive pay restrictions. They did agree to suspend dividends for the length of the bailout. And I think most significantly um, and, and what stands out the most also in terms of this peer set is that they actually agreed to significant ownership changes
0: that's right you heard it here first the german government is coming to Lufthansa, and the government doesn't want to get involved in the day-to-day florian told me and what they're going to do is they're going to assign an independent expert to the board as a way to avoid any kind of political aspirations getting involved. But the German government also gets a 20% stake in the company, maybe a 25% stake, which is significant because in Germany, if you have 20% of the power at a company, you can block certain strategic decisions, such as takeovers, which right now is really important due to how low some stock prices are getting, which are attracting activist investors that are trying to take over certain companies.
1: If... Uh, somebody were to, to swoop in and try to take over Lufthansa, you have now the government there with this potential blocking minority that could that could counteract that or, or block any any type of takeover like that.
0: And for governments, airlines are very unique industries and one they really want to protect. Here's Arna.
1: And we actually also
2: have to consider the airline industry. I mean, it's like a really large employer. Many of those companies have like hundreds of thousands of employees, right? So also many governments also then also want to ensure that jobs will will actually um, exist also in the future at the same time the industry always has been interesting from a state perspective because many governments actually only privatized some companies maybe like 20 30 years ago so um, it was actually pretty normal that also the state has had a quite active role in this industries some decades ago so maybe this kind of maybe renationalization somehow um, could also be maybe also like a trend because, I mean, many gov- uh, governments say it's important um, that we actually um, have a national flag carrier. And there's also like a big discussion about um, state support. For example, these Gulf airlines, big competitors for, for US or European carriers, especially European carriers, and um, often get um, state support. So um, the whole market was also a bit uh, in somehow. So maybe is also like a kind of Opportunity for some, yeah, national governments to again um, support a bit their national flag carriers. But ownership isn't the only
0: thing that governments are worried about when it comes to airlines. For carbon emissions, airlines account for about 2.5% of the global carbon emissions in 2019. And before the pandemic, those emissions were increasing by 1.5 times per year, according to the UN. So addressing those environmental issues are extremely important for governments. And now they are also a requirement for two of the 10 airlines.
2: Only Lufthansa and Air France, so two European carriers, actually face some sort of environmental um, conditions. But at the same time, there's a gap between both companies, again, because in terms of Lufthansa, there's only like a general commitment to sustainability goals and so on. So no really clear quantitative targets. This is different for the French carrier. So the French government bailout conditions include some specific um, carbon emission reduction targets.
0: So now Air France KLM must have its domestic CO2 emissions per passenger by 2024 and have its CO2 emissions globally by 2030 compared with its 2005 levels. That global number is actually in line with the company's goals, Arna told me, but it's the domestic emissions number which might be difficult to address and has some other effects associated with
2: it. As a consequence, um, Actually, a number of domestic routes could be need to be cut. So actually, this may be a case where the government plays a more active role and also um, yeah, impacts day-to-day operations. I mean, this kind of move could push the company towards the summer, a bit greener future at least, um, because the French economy, economy minister said actually that Air France should become the most environmentally respectful airline. So it could maybe help the company to have maybe at least a better carbon profile than some of its peers.
0: Which actually ain't too bad for the company because in 2026, a mandatory market-based scheme to lower carbon emissions will be introduced in the EU called Corsia, and airlines will have to purchase carbon offsets if they pollute too much, meaning Air France, because of their ESG parameters in their bailout, might have a head start from other companies. But is all of this surprising? I'm talking about it as though it's kind of a known entity now, but our loan and ESG conditions being combined into one thing? Is is that the norm now? I did not know that it would be like this. I'm surprised. Especially in the U.S., where four of the carriers that accepted bailouts had both social and governance conditions. Florian agreed with me on this. From the
1: governance perspective, I think, actually, if you look at the four U.S. airlines that we covered in this analysis, I, I was kind of surprised, I have to say, because the restrictions that they face now and the conditions are actually quite, quite broad and and relatively stringent. So uh, not only do you have some restrictions on executive pay, But um, you also have potential implications for these companies' ownership. So the government didn't take a direct ownership stake in any of these companies, but the companies had to issue warrants that could be converted into an ownership stake. So there is a potentially big implication in terms of the ownership of these companies.
0: But Florian was also surprised not only by that, but one more sort of wonky governance constraint. How much money shareholders are actually able to now get back from these companies?
1: Um, so we did a little bit of a, of a backward looking analysis and we tried to see whether uh, these restrictions put in place for American Delta Southwest, and, and United were targeted uh, in some way. Um, and it turns out that they actually were. So what we did was we compared the severity of these distribution limits, so whether Uh, these companies faced strict limits on dividends or share buybacks. Um, And then we also looked at um, the historical payout rates. So historically, from 2016 to 2019, how much these companies had actually returned to shareholders through dividends uh, or share buybacks. And uh, the findings were actually interesting because um, it turns out that the four U.S. companies were actually the ones that had the highest um, sort of payout ratios um, compared to total assets o- over this period of time, and those were the same companies that actually also faced the toughest distribution limits in terms of the bailout so those four companies had high payout rates and at the same time they faced tough distribution limits
0: this means it's possible the u.s government looked at the history of these companies and then targeted them based upon their payout history and this kind of decision to limit the amount of money that shareholders can get back from a company is extremely important for them because investors a lot of investors give a company their money buy their stock because they know they will get it back in the form of a dividend or buyback and since the economy isn't recovering anytime soon there may be more types of these bailouts that put more constraints on companies in the days to come or the weeks or the months or the years to come hopefully not the years but at least in the weeks to come
1: a lot of the restrictions that the german government put on the lufthansa bailout uh, were actually also imposed by the government on bailouts in other industries. I'm thinking of Adidas, I'm thinking of Puma. Um, these companies also had to agree to some of these restrictions around executive pay, around uh, shareholder distribution limits. So there seems to be a pattern developing and I think um, this analysis we did might shed some light on, on the shape of things to come in terms, in terms of additional bailouts.
0: On July 15th, a foreign ministry spokesman announced that China would impose sanctions on Lockheed Martin, which is a defense company, for providing a 620 USD million upgrade package to Taiwan's Patriot missile system. This is all according to the Wall Street Journal. China has not disclosed the extent of the sanctions or when they will apply, but my guest today, our new governance analyst Harlan Tufford, has some spicy takes on what sanctions actually do to the directors of a company and what effects this can have on the management of a company
3: board. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, well, I mean, as you said, most likely the sanctions won't uh, impact Lockheed, uh, the company itself. Uh, but even even the threat of sanctions could impact the board's uh, ability to, to plan for renewal and refreshment. Uh, the threat of sanctions on an individual director could significantly reduce the attractiveness of serving as a director of Lockheed, particularly in comparison to uh, comparable companies which which aren't uh, in the crosshairs of, of unilateral economic sanctions. Uh, sanctions could restrict directors' ability to travel to China, to work in China, to own assets there, to do business with Chinese companies. And in addition to uh, reducing the the... Pool of candidates uh, who might be interested in serving uh, as a director of Lockheed. It could increase turnover on the board itself, uh, with directors who may be employed by companies with business or assets in China or serve as outside directors of companies with Chinese operations. Uh, these directors may be more likely to step off the board in the in the months and years to come if if the threat of sanctions. Uh, increases or actually materializes
0: to be honest i thought okay this is naive of me but i thought when a company got sanctioned they just the entity itself got sanctioned like somehow there was a, a being that is this company and the company like couldn't do business there i didn't realize that actually people at the company got the individual sanctions on behalf of the company but that's how it works huh
3: it depends on the market. I mean, this in terms of Chinese sanctions against companies, it's, it's kind of untested waters, I think. But if you look at the United States, for example, um, under the Helms-Burton Act, individual directors and executives um, can be sanctioned for their activities in Cuba.
0: What's an example of that?
3: For example, uh, in Canada, Sherrod International Corporation is a company that has uh, substantial operations in Cuba um and many of its directors and executives have been sanctioned under the helms burton act in the united states Uh, so the company's responded by paying its executives and directors a helms burton allowance uh, to offset the lost opportunities uh personally and professionally they suffer from from u.s sanctions
0: oh that's kind of fascinating so they they know they're going to get sanctioned but they the company sweetens it by saying okay Join our board, and we'll give you some more cash or something.
3: Yeah, well, it's, I think the the implication, I guess, for for all companies that might find themselves in the in the crosshairs of of economic sanctions is that they need to have kind of two plans in their back pocket. They need to have uh, a plan at the the nominating committee level, thinking about who are our potential directors, how might they. Their incentive to join the board be impacted by sanctions, um, and how might uh, you know turnover on our among our existing directors be increased by sanctions? And then, at the compensation committee level, if sanctions actually materialize, how can we structure our director compensation to, in a way that that offsets that, but in a way that's also appropriate and acceptable from from an investor perspective?
0: And that's it for the week. I wanted to thank Arna and Florian and Harlan for talking to me about this week's news with the ESG twist. And I wanted to thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review us. It always helps. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Keep fighting for whatever you're fighting for out there. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week.
4: The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc.'s subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research LLC, a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to and or received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or a promotion or recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or produ- product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.